head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a early Wednesday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, JJ John Zustrevsky. We're right here on the Ringer Podcast Network, and... I'm just going to spill the beans right out of the gate. I'm in a real rotten, pissy, vile kind of mood. I am not in good spirits right now. And matters were only made worse watching the worst Syracuse team of my lifetime get annihilated by a dog crap pit team. Syracuse stinks. They look like they have a roster that belongs in the NEC. Forget about the ACC. Nice knowing that your basketball season is over at the end of January, but I know nobody gives a rat's ass about Syracuse. So now I'm going to get to what has really been pissing me off all day. What has really agitated me, and I kind of teased this on the pod over the last few weeks, and if you listen to some voicemails, if you listen to some commentary that I have had, I knew exactly how Hall of Fame Day 2022 was going to go down. I, for one, am not the least bit shocked that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are out and Big Poppy, David Ortiz, is in on the first ballot. I'm not the least bit surprised. It's a sham. It's a travesty. It's a flat-out joke. But surprised? No, I'm not the least bit surprised. Big Poppy is this lovable teddy bear. Big Poppy at Yankee Stadium basically did this bullshit mea culpa, and that's exactly what it was, bullshit, basically saying, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know it was steroids. I'm not a cheater, blah, 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 blah. And guess what? You suckers believed them. The idea that David Ortiz is separate from Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds? It's insane. 
I feel like I'm taking crazy pills and describing it because it makes absolutely no sense. The Hall of Fame is going to have David Ortiz, a guy who was non-tendered by the Minnesota Twins, a guy who had no career to speak of until 2003. Then all of a sudden, right in the middle of the steroid era, he goes from being a guy hitting 230 with 14 home runs to this conquering hero in Boston. We're going to ignore that narrative. But yet guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who were great from the minute they came to the big leagues, Clemens with the Red Sox, Bonds with the Pittsburgh Pirates, great. They didn't need steroids to be Hall of Famers. Did they cheat? Of course they cheated. I'm not stupid. I'm well aware of the fact that Roger Clemens might have had a little roid rage throwing the bat at Mike Piazza and that, you know, Barry Bonds' head ballooned into like this larger-than-life figure. Yeah, obviously. They were on the sauce. They were on the juice. But guess what? They were Hall of Famers well before they ever tugged. How are these fraud writers, not all of them, because we're going to have one on who I like personally and did the right thing and voted for Barry Bonds and voted for Roger Clemens. But how do these writers who voted Ortiz in and yet voted Clemens and Bonds out of the Hall of Fame, how do they explain themselves? What in God's name is their rationale that's going to justify that in any way? It's pure hypocrisy. Let's call it what it is. Hypocrisy at its finest. Why? I bet you a lot of those writers who voted yes on Ortiz and voted no on Bonds and Clemens, they liked Big Poppy personally, and they didn't like Barry Bonds, and they didn't like Roger Clemens for whatever the reason. It's a joke. It is an absolute sham. It's an absolute joke. And hopefully they'll do the right thing in a couple of years and let those guys in the Hall of Fame. How do you justify putting a Hall of Fame in place and not having Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens in there? I mean, give me a freaking break with this nonsense. I'm so sick of it. And I knew this was coming. I knew it. Anybody who doesn't think this is hypocritical in any way, what are you drinking tonight? What are you smoking tonight? I would love to know. I'd love to know. I knew this was coming. Baseball and their Hall of Fame, it's gotten so just beyond watered down, number one. And then number two, you're going to let the commissioner of the steroid era in the Hall of Fame. You're going to let a guy we know is cheating, David Ortiz, in the Hall of Fame. But no, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, there's no place for them. Bullshit. That's exactly what it is. Bullshit. There's no other way to describe it. If this doesn't bother you as a baseball fan, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like even Red Sox fans that I talk to, who are probably all giddy that their guy got in the Hall of Fame, whoopie freaking do. Even the Red Sox fans I talked to today, and I talked to a bunch, they're like, yeah, Bonds and Clemens should be in there. That, that, that goes without saying. The fact that they're not is, is mind-blowing stuff. I had to get that off my chest. It really bothered me. It really rubbed me the wrong way, but I knew it was coming. It's kind of like Syracuse. I knew, like, over the last couple of weeks, this was coming. Now we're at, like, the acceptance stage, but sometimes you just got to let it all hang out. It's embarrassing. It's absolutely positively embarrassing. So, shame on the folks who did not vote Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens into the Hall of Fame. Simple as that. Shame on you. Now, as far as some other stuff that's going on, not the least bit surprised that Sean Payton decided to hang him up in New Orleans. When I heard the report 24 to 48 hours ago about Sean Payton being on the fence, 
Sean Payton not being sure that he was going to coach in 2022. He had a 500 team with New Orleans last year, basically. He does not have a great quarterback situation, and his team is going to be in cap hell. They got a lot of veterans they're going to have to say goodbye to. Tough situation, tough predicament. And TV is appealing. It's a great lifestyle. You get paid a ton of money. You don't have to work a lot. And he's going to be really good at it. The question I think a lot of people are going to have with Sean Payton down the road is, will he coach again? And if I had a bet on it, I would say yes. Because I think he's eyeing up one job. No, I don't think he has any interest in coaching this year. No, I do not think the New York Giants will be involved. I think he is circling the Dallas Cowboys. He was on Bill Parcells' staff. Jerry Jones has wanted him for a long, long time. And I see exactly how this is going to go down. McCarthy will come back. The Cowboys will probably go like 10 and 7, 11 and 6 next year. They'll probably get bounced in the first round like they always do. And then you'll have a coaching change. And then Sean Payton's going to have to decide if he's got one of these cushy gigs at a network. And it's going to be cushy for Sean. I don't know if Aikman's going to Amazon. I don't know if Peyton's going to be working with Joe Buck. But even if he's not, Amazon's there. ESPN's there. I don't think they're putting him in a studio. I think they're going to give him one of these premier, top-notch, top-billing type spots. That's tough to walk away from. It's tough. My gut still says that he will, but I wouldn't. After winning the Super Bowl, I got nothing left to prove. I'm going to have that job for the next 20 years of my life and make a boatload of money. So that's a decision Sean Payton is going to have to kick down the line. But I love this broadcasting stuff. I get so geeked out by it. Who's doing what game? Who's going to end up being a future star in broadcasting? Like, it's the broadcasting nerd in me comes out. It it does every now and again. I'm not going to lie, folks. That's why, like, Marshan, I I wouldn't want to be covering, like, radio ratings like that. No, thank you. But like him getting all these scoops, I actually want to get him on a podcast over the next couple of weeks. We'll have to work on that. I have his number. I'll reach out. We've talked a few times. I like Marsha. I do. Not everything he's written about me is accurate, but you know, I like Andrew. I think Andrew does a good job. He gets ahead of everything. He's a guy breaking every media story. I respect that. And listen, we had to we had to alert him on a couple of matters. You know, when we got to alert, we alert. That's what we do. But. Sean Payton's future is going to be fascinating. And then one last thing. Nets lose to the Lakers tonight. LeBron's back. AD's back. The Lakers were basically dreaming of this team all year. But a lot of smoke about James Harden and his unhappiness. Unhappy about the Kyrie situation. Unhappy about his role. Bleacher Report saying he's going to be out at the end of the year. They're talking about Philadelphia and that he wants to play with Embiid. And Obviously, the connection with Daryl Morey is there. So, a lot of moving parts with James Harden. After the game, basically, wanted nothing to do with it. He's like, what are you guys talking about? I don't know what you're saying. Bah, 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 bah. But trouble in paradise for Brooklyn. And this has been, in many ways, such an uneven season for them. They've won a lot. Durant, when he's been out there, has been masterful. But having the Kyrie vaccine thing looming over your team. Now, Durant misses time. Harden's been very up and down. I have to wonder if this is a team that's going to be able to just click in when it's time for the postseason. It helps when you have the best player on planet Earth. I'm well aware of that. 
but that like flow and that sort of feeling of unison, it is not there with the Nets. It's tough to have that feeling when you don't have the big three playing together over a consistent period of time. You haven't had that for two seasons now. And I know COVID and injuries, they're factors. But now there's factors beyond it. Is that weighing on Harden? It could be. I'm not as dismissive of that report as I am of other reports, for what it's worth. I think it's something to think about. Pretty loaded day. You know, considering that we don't have football and it's like kind of our Tuesday midweek show, felt like we had a lot to get off our chest right at the start. And we got a loaded program for you across the board. We will welcome in a Hall of Fame voter who I love, my colleague over at SNY, Anthony McCarron. We'll kind of pick his Hall of Fame brain a little bit because I need to make sense of what people are thinking as far as voting Ortiz and not voting Bonds and Clemens. Like, if you did that, shame on you. Your Hall of Fame ballot should be rescinded. Like, you should not be allowed to vote for the Hall of Fame ever again. Sorry, but not sorry. Ariel Hawani, who right now, he's hurting. He is hurting. His Buffalo Bills are killing him. His Knicks are killing him. I wish I listened to him on an MMA pick for over the weekend because I know nothing about MMA. And, you know, I wanted to get involved late night on Saturday. I want to welcome Ariel back to the show. It's been too long, so he's going to join us. Voicemails, trivia, got you covered every which way. Early Wednesday. Where else would you want to be? Mr. McCarron, Hall of Fame voter extraordinaire. He's up next. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. So the Hall of Fame class has me all hot and bothered because David Ortiz is in Yet Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, the best hitter and arguably the best pitcher of my generation, are not a part of Cooperstown, and yet they're all linked to performance-enhancing drugs. Try to make sense of that. So we're going to bring in somebody who will try to do so. He's a good friend of mine. We spend a lot of time on Saturdays talking all sorts of baseball on SNY, and this gentleman is an esteemed baseball writer and happens to have a Hall of Fame vote, the great Anthony McCarron. What's up, Anthony? How you doing, JJ? Thanks for having me. Anthony, I know where you stand on this, but for the New York, New York audience, they're probably dying to know if they didn't see your Hall of Fame ballot. You are pro Bonds Clemens getting into the Hall of Fame, correct? Yes, uh, I have voted for them for not the entirety of their time on the ballot, JJ, but uh, I think for the last seven years I voted for them. And I certainly voted for them this year in year 10. Uh, they're, they're last on the BBWA ballot. I'm aware of the fact they cheated. You're aware of the fact they cheated. But I keep going back to this, Anthony. You know, the Hall of Fame, we're talking about the history of the game. We're talking about the Titans, the best of the best to do it. 
it, it just is mind boggling to me that you're going to now exclude the best pitcher, the best hitter, and yet the commissioner who presided over the Hall of Fame or presided over the era is in the Hall of Fame. There are other guys where you might have some steroid links to them. And now you're welcoming David Ortiz. In. Anthony, my mind is blown. How do we make sense of this? Uh, I, I'm with you, JJ. I'm not sure we can make sense of this. Uh, I mean, it just goes back to the to the idea that, you know, getting 75 percent of anything in a big group of 400 or so voters is really difficult to do. And I think that's part of the thing that we're looking at here. Um, I, look, I feel like out there in, on social media, there's a whole thing of like, if you cheated, you're, you know, if you if you did if you did PEDs, you're out. And if you didn't, you can be in. And there's all kinds of gray shading here that we're talking about with these two guys. And there's also, to me, uh, you mentioned it. I mean, it's it, the Hall of Fame is a baseball museum. It's devoted to the history of the game. It's hard to tell the story of baseball, certainly in this generation, without Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens being significant parts of a Hall of Fame. And to me, the real way you sort of start to come to grips with what they and others did in terms of, of, of drugs is by putting them into the Hall of Fame, put, put the stuff onto the, onto the plaque, you know, write it in there. It's not all glory. The Hall of Fame, there's too many people out there who think that the Hall of Fame is uh, akin to a Hall of Saints, and it, it's not. It's not the Knights of the Round Table. You know, it's not for glory and country. It's a baseball museum where flawed uh, men are recognized for achievements and for their impact on the game. And I think that, you know, you're sort of only half recognizing history if you're leaving guys like this out. Anthony, if Barry Bonds had the personality of David Ortiz, is he in the Hall of Fame today? I mean, it's it, it's tough to even that that we have to ask that question is tough to me because, uh, you know, yes, I think all that stuff does have an impact. Um, I mean, Big Poppy was certainly beloved and and or is beloved by fans, not just in Boston, you know, where he brought three championships and was one of the great clutch hitters of all time, but nationwide. And I think that, you know, I mean, he did some things with the Boston Marathon bombing speech after that, that really uh, resonated, I think, in America, you know, in a way that Barry Bonds certainly never did anything like that. And he was, you know, more of a prickly character uh, publicly, um, you know as great a player as he was, he, he didn't hit on the Q rating in the way that, uh, that P big poppy did. And yeah, so I think that there, that's a fair ask by you. And I, and I think that, that there is some debate over that idea that if he had been, uh, more of a cuddly figure, would he have gotten, I mean, he, you know, could have got, he got pretty close, but could that have pushed him over the top? I, yeah, maybe. Are you surprised, Anthony, that Ortiz is going in on the first ballot? Like, considering the innuendo with steroids and that denial back in 2009, you know, voters, a lot of voters had this hard stance on Bonds. They had this hard stance on Clemens. Yet, first ballot, like Vlad Guerrero, which I thought was a joke, by the way, he didn't get in on the first ballot. I'm like, hold yeah, on a second. Now, Vlad Guerrero doesn't get in on the first ballot. And now Big Poppy in on the first ballot. And let me make this clear, Anthony, if I had a vote, I would have voted for David Ortiz. He tormented my team. He's one of the best clutch hitters of all time. And he has this tie-in to performance-enhancing drugs. But like I said, I'm voting in Bonds. I'm voting in Clemens. So I'm not going to be hypocritical on the matter. I'm going to vote in a guy like Big Poppy. 
Well, it's, it's, to me, this is an example of how the voting uh, electorate has changed uh, in, in recent years, because I think some of the younger voters who are now coming on don't look at the first ballot as some sort of a dividing line or a marker or sort of an extra honor. You know, th- th- it used to be a time where writers wouldn't vote. I mean, obviously, we've had one person, you know, the great Mariano Rivera to, to be 100 percent vote getter. That means that people there, there were writers who didn't vote for Willie Mays you know, who didn't vote for Tom Seaver and guys like that. And part of it was because they were going to penalize the first ballot. You know, you didn't get you didn't get to have that extra one. That was an extra honor. And I think that is going by the wayside now as the electorate changes. I think that's an older uh, writer uh, conceit that that it doesn't. And nowadays, I think there are a lot of people who think if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer right now. I'm not waiting for, you know, if I've got space on my ballot, I'm not waiting to uh, to check that box. So I, I thought that there there were enough people still doing that, that it would make him maybe wait a year. Mike Piazza had to wait a year. They have a sort of a similar candidacy in my mind. Um, you know, maybe maybe Piazza is not as beloved as, as Big Poppy, uh, widespread beloved. But, um, you know, apparently th- that it, it didn't happen that way. And he, he's in now. And I wonder how that changes, how Ortiz's election will change the way we look at uh, at other PED guys who have some sort of a connection to PEDs uh, going forward here. I saw you guys talking about this on TV, and I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation next year. Carlos Beltran. And I think we're in agreement, Anthony. I think Carlos Beltran's a Hall of Famer when you look at his body of work. He was a top flight center fielder, switch hitter, tremendous defender, did it in the American League, did it in the National League. Like, I'd vote Carlos Beltran in the Hall of Fame. Do you think this tie-in with the Astros scandal is going to hurt him now going into next year? Because clearly the voters have said their piece, some of them, when it comes to Bonds and Clemens with the steroid stuff. Will they have the same stance, in your opinion, when it comes to the sign-stealing shenanigans? You know, I think that uh, Beltron, will, if, if he's going to get in, he's going to have to wait. I don't think it'll happen next year because I think people will will still take the uh, voters will still take the the tact of, you know, I'm going to wait and sort through this a little bit to see that maybe, you know, a, a year or two more of history can teach us a little bit more about that scandal. Uh, you know, but I do also think there's a lot of sympathy out there for Beltron now because he's really the only player who suffered at all. And I know he wasn't a player at the time, uh, you know, that he, that the penalty came down. But none of those other guys on the Astros got anything other than, you know, they, they were granted immunity to talk. So, you know, the, the big losers were the managers in these scandals and they're all back working now. And, and, and Beltron is sort of on the outside looking in. And I think there will be some sympathy to him in that regard. Uh, you know, maybe voters will look at it and say like, here's something we can do, you know, that this, this guy was a great player. He can still get my vote for the hall of fame. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if it's going to, some of the older, older writers in particular, might scuttle his candidacy right off the bat and never consider him. But, you know, I wonder if going forward, he'll, he'll, you know, gain momentum as his time on the ballot increases. Of course, uh, you know, it's so hard to figure whether he'll even, you know, will he get the 5% uh, to stay on the ballot? I mean, I hope that that's the case because he definitely is a guy you need to consider possibly over time as opposed to, you know, right away. And and JJ, I, I, I talk about that because the ballot is not it's not yes or no. 
It's not, I, it's bi- I don't know if binary is the right word. It's not that because of the limit of 10 and because of the, the limit of 10 years on the ballot. Uh, it's not, are you a Hall of Famer? Yes. Or are you a Hall of Famer? No. It's, are you a Hall of Famer in the context of this ballot? So that sort of muddies up the waters all the time. And, you know, I wonder if any of that stuff is going to be taken into consideration when, when Beltron hits the ballot next year. One last guy I want to ask you about before we get to all these nonsensical stories that we read day in and day out about the negotiations with the owners and the players association, which let's be <laughs> honest, Anthony, you read about this stuff. It makes you want to have a nice stiff drink. Like, I feel like I need a <laughs> bourbon to talk about this stuff. Uh, I don't have the luxury of that at this point in time. Another guy who probably will drive you to drink is Kurt Schilling. And listen, Kurt Schilling did himself no favors with his comments. And then last year he says, hey, I don't want to be in a Hall of Fame anyway. Don't vote for me. So a lot of writers basically said, you know what? You don't want me to vote for you. I'm not going to vote for you. How much of that you think played a role? The comments about journalism and journalists, which was a disgrace. And then you double down on the fact that he says, hey, don't vote for me. You think that's why Schilling saw this rapid and considerable drop from 2021 to here we are this year in 2022? Yeah. I mean, if he had not spoken last year after the vote, uh, I'm pretty sure he would have gotten in. He would have been so, in. Yeah, I think yeah, so, too. Yeah, he was so close. I mean, I think it was a matter of 16 votes or something. Uh, 71% last year, and you need 75 to gain election. Uh, if he had if he had zipped his lip, he, he would probably be uh, celebrating with Ortiz right now. Um, you know, look, he, he was a Hall of Fame pitcher to me, and, and certainly the the icing on the cake was the the incredible work he did in the postseason. Uh, you know, tremendous, tremendous pitcher. You know, the rest of it with him is very complicated and icky and, you know, it just off-putting. And, you know, that stuff definitely affected him. And, and look, I mean, maybe it's good that he didn't get in on the writer's ballot because, look, if he had had a big platform to talk about some of the things that he you know, has in his, in his brain, I'm not so sure that would have been good for society. Uh, you know, but, but in terms of just on the mound stuff, he, he, to me, he definitely met the criteria for the hall of fame, uh, you know, and soared long past it. Um, but you know, beyond that, I mean, I can't, I know a lot of voters with it, you know, did exactly what he asked, uh, and, and withheld votes from him for le- this, this year. And I, I can't blame him for doing it. And look, if he wants to be mad at me, uh, for keeping voting for him and, and can, uh, you know, consider that a thumb in his eye for not listening to him. That's fine by me too. Totally fair. Anthony McCarron. All right. I got to know gut feel. When will the 2022 major league baseball season start? I'm going to give you an over on there, Anthony. You don't even got to put a date okay. on it. <laughs> I'm going to say opening day over under April 15th, under meaning Sooner than that, over well beyond that. What's your gut? Ooh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over, but I'm not gonna say by much. Like if you had given me April 20th, I might have said under. Uh, I do think that they're ultimately gonna have a problem, um, and, and they're they're ultimately gonna push right up to the deadline, and 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 you know right up to to the look. I mean, if you feel like you need four weeks for spring training and opening day is scheduled to be March 31st right now, that means that they got to be done at the end of February signed and, you know, with, with players flying into their camps from all over the country, uh, and, and internationally as well, that takes a lot of time, uh, to get all of that mobilized. And, you know, if they're still arguing, uh, money points uh, off of that, I, you know, I don't know if we're going to get to that 
point. I, I, so to be safe, I'm going to say that it's going to be a little bit later than uh, than your date there. But you're not worried about a serious compromise in the 2022 season. Like you think for the most part, Anthony, we're going to have close to, I don't know, 130, 140 games. I do because I, there's just so much money here. They can't be that stupid, yeah, right, Anthony? So they can't much, be that stupid. It's a billions and billions and billions dollar business at this point, JJ. And they they can't, look, I, I both sides dearly want to, quote, beat each other, right? I mean, they, they don't get along. They don't like each other. You know, do they, you know, collectively bargain uh, in, in a nice, constructive manner? Not really. Uh, you know, so we're, we're looking at, a, at, at these two sides that are so dug in and they want to win so bad that that they sometimes lose sight of, you know, what we're all hoping for, which is baseball. And, you know, everybody's making a lot of money. I, the, the, the stuff about, you know, how it's difficult to make money as the owner of a, of a major league baseball team. I, I mean, that is ringing hollow to me, JJ. I, I, you know, sell the team then. How come these things aren't for sale all the time? Then if it's so if it's so hard to make money, all these great businessmen who made enough money in their lifetime uh, to go ahead and buy something that doesn't cost, you know, $1.99, to, to put it mildly, now they can't figure out how to make money when beers are $14 each or whatever. Uh, give me a break. Uh, you know, so I, I'm just all the rhetoric and I, I just, I just want them to get something done. It's so exhausting. You know, it, it's so disillusioning, uh, you know, please just get it done. Let's get playing. You know, it, it's cold out. Uh, I don't want to think about, uh, you know, you know, the boardroom and, and the comb overs, uh, arguing in the, you know, in the, at the negotiating table. Hopefully it means me and you over a couple of beverages, either at Yankee Stadium at City Field, some point on like a Friday night, Anthony McCarron, because that sounds dandy and we need that sooner rather than later, my man. I, I like it. I like it. That sounds like a plan. The great Anthony McCarron. <laughs> you see him all the time on SNY. He gets it right when it comes to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And listen, I like Anthony personally. Even if he didn't get it right, I'd have him on the show anyway. But Anthony, I'm not going to lie. The fact that you voted for Bonds and Clemens, you're on the nice list for John Z. <laughs> you always are, but you're especially on the nice list today. Well, we've got to figure out what to do now with A-Rod and Manny Ramirez, JJ. That's going to be a, that's, that's going to be a puzzle. That's, that ain't going away either, the, the A-Rod thing. You and think let's that, be honest, Anthony. If they didn't put Bonds and Clemens in the Hall of Fame, how the hell are they going to vote A-Rod in? Fair point. Fair point. You know but what I mean? Like, listen, you know me. I'd vote them all in. But right. again, I don't have a vote. So maybe another life, Anthony. Another life. <laughs> Anthony, don't be a stranger. I'll talk to you soon. Keep up the good work. All right, buddy? Okay. Thanks for having me, JJ. Good stuff, Mr. McCarron. Coming up next, Ariel Hawani, the czar of MMA and a guy who's been hurting over the last 48 hours. We'll try to help. He's up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. 
To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. So, was thinking of this guy over the weekend. His Buffalo Bills lose in crushing fashion. And on Saturday night, I actually dabbled with a little MMA beaking. And after I finished up my green room, I check out on green room. This guy has got like over 3,000 people in there. I feel like out of anyone here at the Ringer team, Ariel Hawani and I like Green Room more than anybody else. Is that fair to say, Ariel? I think so. We love it, dude. We're all about it. I absolutely love it. And by the way, good to talk to you again. Thank you for having me back on the show. I'm loving what you're doing. I love it. I look forward to it. I'm doing a lot of things, but I genuinely look forward to those chats. We've developed a really great community. We've got people calling from all over the world, India, Ireland, the UK, Canada, Israel, uh, and, and I hate to be the guy to um, correct you right off the bat, uh, but according to uh, you know the powers that be, we uh, we peaked at around thirteen thousand. Oh listeners. my goodness! Well, li- listen, I only go by Simmons tweets, and that's what happens, okay. Ariel. When well, you go I mean, you had to br- you had to you had to keep going. That's he, the thing; kept- it kept accelerating, you know, right. higher and higher and higher. To quote Jackie Wilson, so listen, I'm not the least bit surprised. You're the dean. You're the master of what you do. We're the kings. Me and my friends, Pete and Chuck. They host the show with me, 3PAC, P-A-C, P-T, Ariel and Chuck. We're 3PAC, self-proclaimed. We are the self-proclaimed kings of Spotify Greenroom. And I say that to you with all due respect, and I'll say that to Kevin Clark or Peter Rosenberg or anyone else on the Ringer team. We are the kings. And when you come at the kings, you, you better not miss. miss. Yes, and exactly. you know what? I didn't take your advice because you were on Simmons' podcast on Friday. You know, we'll get to the Buffalo Bills momentarily. But after all the football Saturday night, I finish up uh, doing some TV. I finish up a green room of my own, just talking about all the football games. And I had to get involved. I had to get involved. We had the uh, the device all set up to watch the fight. And I went against your advice, Ariel. And I think it's because I heard Tupac. And when Gon comes out to yeah, Tupac, I was in. I tweeted you this. And I maybe should have rode with Drake. You know? I, and that's I, what I, I said. I should have rode with Drake. Just saying. Drake is the GOAT, in my opinion, greatest of all time, fellow Canadian, fellow Jew as well. Uh, and, and I like that he, you know, you had to know the backstory, Francis walking out to God's plan. And the lyrics, I mean, were almost written for that situation because he was battling the UFC and the contract situation, all the stuff that I laid out with Simmons. Um, and I just was surprised that he was the underdog, given what he has done as of late. I was also somewhat surprised that Figueroa remained the underdog because of how he looked on the scale. But then, you know what? I don't blame anyone for going with gun because the story started to percolate throughout the day that Francis was dealing with a knee injury, which was then revealed on the broadcast. And so when you find out that the guy has a torn MCL and a severely injured ACL against a guy like Gunn, I wouldn't beat yourself up over it. it. I mean, no one on this planet, by the way, including myself, if you would have told me you watched that fight on Friday and it went the distance. Hey, Ariel, it went the distance. That's what I was saying. What do you mind is a big MMA guy, Ariel, told me that. After the first two rounds, he was like, if this This goes the distance and there's no knockout, there's no way Gon's going to lose. Well, except he lost. It was crazy. I believe last I saw, it was like plus 1,200 Francis uh, via decision. And not only was it absurd that he won via decision, it's how he won. He won with wrestling. This guy never wrestles. He never does jujitsu. He's just like a freaking beast of a man who likes to strike. Knees, punches, primarily. He won in the most unimaginable way possible. 
via decision, distance, 25 minutes. Never want to fight that went past the third round. Won via wrestling, won via jiu-jitsu. And when you consider everything that he had to battle in that fight, the injury, his former coach, his former training partner, the UFC, the contract situation. Honestly, I can say this confidently watching this sport for all these years. Maybe the gutsiest performance, the most impressive performance that I've ever seen in a UFC title fight. Incredible stuff. And now let's get to some more incredible stuff. Although for you, no. not, so, not so incredible. I'm going to start here. Outside of wide right, is that the worst loss you've experienced as a Buffalo Bills fan? Has to be, right? Like the only game so, that I think could compare is the Norwood game because of, uh, of yeah. course, it's the damn Super Bowl, for goodness sakes. So I will say this. Uh, we are recording this. I hope I'm not dating us on Tuesday. No, that's I, fine. I still feel like someone like punched me in the gut. Like I still feel it. An hour after the game, I could not move. I was frozen on my couch. And so I will say, believe it or not, I actually hold the Norwood kick in high regard. And I'll explain why. I was eight years old when I went to my uncle's house to watch the Super Bowl. Now you're eight years old. You're kind of just following your older brothers, your uncles, your cousins. You don't really know what's going on. That Super Bowl was on TV. It was 1991. It was January of 1991. It was Giants versus Bills. They were all rooting for the Giants for whatever reason. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to root for these guys from Buffalo. And I witnessed, I remember seeing it. I remember seeing wide right, Scott Norwood. And I remember being in my dad's car, driving home late on that Sunday night and thinking to myself, I really feel bad for those guys. Like I actually get chills talking about it. I like, I was feeling something as a kid and as a quote unquote quasi sports fan that I never felt before. And I said to myself, I want those guys to win. I want them to make it right. That's my team. And I went and, and followed them that following year. And I cried when they lost to Washington. I cried when they lost to Dallas the next year. And then the next year, Dallas again. And so I don't feel that way about Norwood. However, I will say this. I have only felt frozen and in a state of shock in my entire life as a sports fan. And I would say I'm, I'm a pretty troubled sports fan. My favorite baseball team doesn't exist, the Montreal Expos. I'm a Knicks fan. We know about them. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, right? Twice I've felt this state of shock. The first time was 1995, Game 7, Miss Finger the Roll. Finger roll. The my finger guy, roll. Patrick, yeah. my favorite athlete of all time, back rim. I was in a state of shock. I couldn't believe it ended that way. The other time, Music City Miracle, 1999. I was in a state of shock. We should have beaten the Titans. And I will forever believe that was a forward pass. Forward pass. I knew you were going to say that. This one hurts more than the Music City Miracle. I would agree. You know why, Ariel? Because you could have won a Super Bowl this year. Let's Thank be you. honest. That we Music were winning City the Super Miracle Bowl. team, was not- Rob Johnson, no. Wade Phillips, maybe win one more playoff game. Maybe. Are you beating the greatest show on turf? No shot. This team... With that quarterback, yeah, you were 13 seconds away from being a seven-point favorite against the Bengals. At home. You probably would have liked your chances either way against any of the NFC teams, 1,000%. John, we couldn't have scripted this any better. Brady was gone. Our, our, Our biggest nemesis, gone. Packers, gone. Titans, gone. Chiefs would have been gone. We exercised the Patriots. The, the week before, it was right there. I would have gladly taken Joe Burrow with all due respect in the Bengals AFC Championship at Orchard Park, and I would gladly take the winner of Rams-Niners. It was right there. And that, in a nutshell, is why this hurts. You lose to the, Patri- uh, to the, to the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, and as great as they are, and you're like, man, it, it's a slugfest, and they won the coin toss, God bless. 
but it's because of what was going to happen. We were two wins away from finally, and I just want one. I just want one. I'm not going to be one of those fans who's like, I want the dynasty. I want the repeat. I want the, I just want to know what it feels like on that Sunday evening in February to sit back and watch your team celebrate. That's all I want. And I really felt like if we win that game on Sunday, that's why I cried on Sunday when Gabriel Davis scored his fourth touchdown with 13 seconds left. My younger son came down out of bed wearing his Diggs jersey. He's seven years old and he sat next to me and I hugged him and I started crying and I said, we're going to do it. And it, and just, 13 it, it really seconds hurts. Later, you get your heart ripped out. And it hurts. When you're watching this live unfold, were you livid about the kick not going short? Or are you saying still there's not enough time? How are they going to get in field goal range? Because I'm thinking you got to kick it short. Yep. But even then, Ariel, I'm like, how are they going to get in the field goal range with that amount of time and the situation and the circumstance being what it is? Like, I'm thinking, all right, if they get in the field goal range, we're talking a 60, we're talking a 61-yard field goal. To have that sort of defense where you're guarding the sideline, when they got timeouts, they got Kelsey, they got Tyree Kill, and these guys uh. have 20 yards of open space. What kind of defense is that? That's the part that drives me nuts. You know, the kick, in the moment, you're thinking like, all right, fine, touchback. And then Romo brings it up. But, you know, there's a part of me that was thinking like, Hill is killing us, right? I mean, we can't tackle the tackling. The defense let us down. Let's just call it what it is. The defense 100%. let Josh Allen down. And the tackling was putrid. When they got that touchdown with like a minute left and the defense was, I mean, horrendous. I was like, good. Score quickly so we could get the ball back, right? 102, I think it was. Score quickly. Great. Don't tackle the guy. Um and then I was like, oh, fine, you know what? They're probably going to run this shit back. So I'm sorry for swearing. And uh, you know what? It's fine. But then the defense on those two plays, 13 seconds, guys, what are you doing? Why are you so far back? What is going on here? Why are you allowing them to eat up all this yardage? And to your point, what are you doing worrying about the sidelines when they have all these timeouts? And so it feels like a bad dream. And, um, and honestly, I, I really felt because of the way they kept fighting in my heart, they tied it and I was, and it would have been beautiful if they went wide right. But I thought that they were going to, I felt in my heart that we were going to, I told my friend this, we're going to hold them to a field goal and then we'll come back and Josh is going to stuff it down their throat and this is going to be even greater. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. The defense, well, listen, think, the overtime rules, we hate them. It's not the, the reason the Bills lost this game. You know it and I know it. The final 13 seconds is why Buffalo lost this I agree. game. I agree. Um, I'm going to tell you this, though. A couple of years ago, Mahomes was in the exact same situation. Epic comeback, game goes to overtime, doesn't touch the ball. Tom Brady and the Patriots go to the Super Bowl. You wonder, Ariel, if maybe a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, Josh Allen gets a little overtime karma, if indeed these are the rules that are in place. Sure, and I suspect they may change them at some point. And I know the Chiefs tried to get a change, and that would have been somewhat ironic in retrospect. Uh, it kind of makes me upset as a fan of perpetual losers it makes me upset when people say, you got him next year. You got him. You don't know. No, because you never know. Like, you, listen, am I gets gonna, injured. do I think you're going to get back at some point? I do. Like, if I was going to wager on it, being rational and being fair, over the next three to five years, if I could put a bet down that Josh Allen will be in the Super Bowl and have a chance to win, I would say, yeah, I'd, I'd take that bet. He's a beast. You guys have a good team. I like your chances. To say it's a given, it's that's the question, Ariel. Now, next year, your offensive coordinator is gone. He's yeah. going to be the head coach of the New York Giants and the Miami Dolphins. He's gone. 
Then you're going to have to pay the quarterback. Then your roster and your team starts to look different. And it goes one of two ways. You go San Antonio Spurs, you use this as a rallying cry, as an FU moment, and you go and win a title. We've seen that. Or we see teams that never recover from this. And it like mentally sticks with them forever. So I'm with you there. Like to say it's a given, it's a nothing is a guarantee in sports, dude. I'm a, I'm a Dolphin fan. Dan Marino yeah. got pats on the ass after he lost to Joe Montana. Oh, you'll be back, buddy. You'll be back. He didn't sniff the Super Bowl ever again. I mean, just tell those 90s Bills. They got back, but they never won it, right? So until I actually see them hoisting that trophy, I don't believe it. I hope it's Bulls-Pistons, right, where they were stopped by this team a couple times, the Chiefs in this case, and they finally get over the hump. And hopefully that, you know, let's be honest, there were a couple of games in the regular season that I think may come back to, to haunt us. You know, you have the game against the Jaguars that they obviously should have won, the game against the Titans, that Sunday night game that I thought that they should have won as and well. And you would have been playing at Orchard Park exactly. as opposed to playing so that's, in So those things Arrowhead. haunt you. Those things haunt you, no doubt about it. As long as number 17 is our guy, our quarterback, I believe in that man more than I've ever believed in any athlete. He is just unflappable. I can't and, believe how good he is, Ariel. I dude, can't believe how good it's he is. Unbelie- it's, it's, it's such a joy to watch him play. Not only that, to watch him play, to watch the way he conducts himself after the games. Like This is the kind of guy that I want my kids to have a poster of on their wall. This is the kind of guy that I want my kids to proudly wear his jersey. He's that kind of guy. And I know a couple of the guys on the Bills team, luckily, because I tweet so much about them, that they're MMA fans and we've become sort of buddies. And that's mind-blowing to me. And, and I just asked him, like, is he as good of a human being as he comes across? It's like, we would all die for this guy. We love this guy. And uh, I just, he deserves better. Josh deserves better. The city of Buffalo deserves better. They all deserve better. And I just, I hope and pray once in my lifetime, I could see that team win a Super Bowl. Tell you this, bud. I'm not looking forward to playing your quarterback for the next decade plus. I go from 20 years of Brady and now I got <laughs> this dude in my division and my team is still, sir. It just don't, don't get me started. You, Why did you fire that coach? That's bad karma. Well, they fired him for a lot of different reasons and I like him. So I'm bummed that they fired him. I'm bummed that they fired him. The idea that he wanted Herbert though is a little, that's a little nonsensical. That's like, you know, that's like me saying I made a bad pick. Hey, uh, it's somebody else's fault. You know, right, like I right. wish I could have that sort of, you know, deflection, if you will. Speaking of deflections and you had the Buffalo Bills to distract you for the last few months. Yeah. Where are you at with our beloved Knickerbockers? It's been a very uneven year. Yeah. Um, it's been a very up and down year. But that fun vibe that they had a year ago, Ariel, is clearly not there. Like the record actually isn't that different at this point from where they were last year. But the vibe and the mood around the team is clearly changed. Clearly. Uh, dramatically and uh it's upsetting and i was worried about what we saw in the playoffs not just about like the way randall was stopped and somewhat exposed and all that stuff by the hawks the thing that i felt throughout the season and i actually i think it helped the bills as well i think we don't put enough stock into the fact that they were playing in front of no one it was them against the world they were in the empty msg there was no pressure there were no celebrities there it was just them balling out right and i think that helped scrappy teams like the Knicks, that no one saw coming. They were in it together. It was just that New York. New York was a war I never zone, right? About it that way. Interesting. And I just, and then when what happens when the crowd comes back in May? They freaking faltered right against the Hawks. And I feel like this team, you know, again, like 
you got to play in front of fans, clearly, but like they're, they're, they're not the same. That magic isn't there because they're playing in front of people and there's more pressure and there's, there's more expectations and the bright lights of mad. And like, we're going back to the old Knicks. And so obviously the Randall stuff is disappointing. His mood is disappointing. The, the way he's handled the heat is disappointing. Like, dude, this city, this fan base embraced you. And when a lot of people didn't believe in you, and when they embrace, like, I'm wearing a freaking We Here We Here, sweatshirt. and not only We Here, Ariel, how about $140, $150 million yeah. We Here? You got taken care of, too, in the offseason. You think you're going to take on the fans and win. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, and Good the luck. tabloids and all that stuff. It ain't happening. And, okay, big deal. They booed you because you had a bad half against the Celtics. Big freaking deal. Guess what? You come back in the third and fourth, you win the game, they love you again, and they'll build a statue for you. So, I hope that this is not, uh, you know, Derrick Rose being out, I think, is a big is a big deal. He's the veteran. He's savvy. He's smart. He has seen and done it all. I still believe we're play-in tournament worthy, but I'm not expecting six seed. I'm expecting seven to ten. And uh, the East is great, man. What can you say? The Cavs are great. There's a lot of surprises. The Raptors are, are better Cavs than people Cavs were fun expected. to watch yesterday, yeah. watching that team. And that was kind of an off night for them, for Gorlin and for Mobley. But I'm watching that team. I'm like, damn. They have a lot of the vibes that the Knicks had yes. a year ago. Like, it's yes. very similar, out of nowhere, having a spectacular regular season. By the end of this year, Ariel, I want Barrett to be the best player on this team. That, to me, is what I'm looking for. And he's emerged over the last few weeks. He has. He's playing with a lot of confidence. He missed a wide-open three that could have won the game yesterday. Neither here nor there. I want Barrett, by the end of this year, you and I are talking, we're saying, that's the dude. That's the best player on the Knicks. I think he has it in him. I honestly do. Obviously, I'm biased towards him, fellow Canadian. His dad is a Canadian hoops legend as well. Uh, I think that shot against Boston was huge for his confidence. Uh, I think he has it in him. Uh, it's just a matter of him like taking that bull by the horns. And by the way, they are deep. They have a deep team. They have a deep young team. And by the way, I believe in Tom Thibodeau. I really do believe. Like, yeah, if I'm with one you there. Guy, I don't think I, he's had a great year, but like, yeah, I'm not jumping off the ledge there. I mean, the no. guy knows how to coach. And this is exactly the sort of team that he should be coaching. Like, the mix of veterans. I want to see him play a guy like Grimes more, though. Grimes mm-hmm. has got to, like, uh, enough of Evan Fournier. I can't. I can't. They paid I him can't, so much dude. money. <laughs> I, can't. Cr- I can't. I know. It's crazy. That deal, oh, uh, God. The Kemba thing, you know, the, the offseason obviously hasn't panned out the way we thought it was going to. And uh, there was just, like, this sort of, spare parts mentality to that team last year with the Reggie Bullocks of the world and Julius, obviously, and all that. And uh, it just hasn't, it, it hasn't turned out. But I really do believe that they have the nucleus. They have the the youth. They have the depth. They could even make some moves. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do at the deadline. They have the front office, by the way. Not enough is made of, like, I think the front office is a really good front office. I believe in Leon Rose. I think the Cam Reddish deal was nice. They didn't give up much for him. Kevin Knox had to leave. I believe in these guys, but there's no denying that January 25th, it hasn't quite panned out the way we thought it was going to so far. Don't be a stranger. It's always great connecting. And if you see my sister yes. at one of these Jake Paul fights or at the next MMA event, tell her to tell her to, you know, stay out of the way. And like, I mean, I, I never thought that like bodyguards would be like plowing into or kicking her ass. So, you know, well, here's just the tell thing. her, hey, you gotta hang sister- with the media types. Come on. Listen, when your sister's around, they push me out of the way. I mean, the red freaking carpet gets rolled out. She gets all access. I don't know, you know, what the connection is there with Jake Paul and his team. But when she is there, you know, there are some events that there's like the superstar media person. That's your sister. She is yeah, the I never thought I'd be living in person. that world, bro. Never it's in a million years. So she's listen, cool as hell, though. 
She, she likes she likes to have her fun. I mean, yesterday she's with the Jenners and uh, Chris Paul and uh, somewhere in Phoenix. And who knows where she'll be next week? It's like Corman, San Diego, you know? <laughs> the great Ariel Hawani, he's killing it for us. MMA coverage galore. He's like the, he is the the czar of the MMA wow. world in many Shout ways. Shout out to Mike Fratello. But uh, he, needs, uh, he needed a little therapy after that Bills game. Fair to say? Thank you. Thank you, John. All right, buddy. Take care. You too. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Okay, folks, voicemail time. Always great hearing Ariel Hawani, by the way. Always great hearing his voice. And the fact that he now has a relationship with two Jastrzemskis, that's that's a scary, scary thought for Ariel. That's all I'm going to say. All right, voicemail number 917-382-1151. That's where we make magic. Let's make a little magic, Stefan. Let's hear him. Disco, it's Zyostin. Um Listen, with, the, with this Ortiz thing, which I, I imagine is going to take up part of your podcast today and it's a new york podcast and you have your share of yankee fans and whatnot and they're going to disagree with it here's the thing with ortiz because i don't want to get too crazy here because unfortunately the way that the hall of fame has been carrying itself the last few years with this false power that it's giving these writers which i want to get to i don't want to call it a joke but it's not what it was when you and i were growing up but here's the thing with ortiz you want to tell me from a numbers standpoint, from a postseason moment standpoint, from all that, I don't even give a shit about the DH at this point, that the guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think it's a very fair argument. I'd probably say, yeah, he does. But you are setting now a disgusting precedent when this fat fuck is in the Hall of Fame, and then let's go down the list of names that are not. And at the top of that is Barry Bonds. David Ortiz couldn't fucking wipe Barry Bonds' ass and this motherfucker gets in first ballot. Fuck you. But here's the real fuck you. It's not to Ortiz. It's to you piece of shit writers with your little fucking blue check marks next to your name that think because you have a vote, you have some power. Especially you pieces of shit in Boston. Where the fuck were they 16 years ago during that joke of the Mitchell report when Mitchell had the fucking Red Sox right under his nose? and couldn't find Manny or Ortiz on that list. So that's the real thing. So fuck the writers. What you're doing to the Hall of Fame is a disgrace. Again, you want to tell me that the guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, that's one argument. But he's going to get in the Hall of Fame, and Bonds is not, and I'm telling you right now, and it's Yankee-related, and it's New York, New York, with J.J. I'm with the whole thing. When A-Rod comes through, let's see what happens. Because you know he's trying to kiss the ass of the media just for this. So you know what? Fuck Ortiz. Fuck the Red Sox. Can all kiss my fucking ass. Anthony and Syosset coming out guns a blazing. And the Mitchell report, you want to talk about a total farce. You want to talk about something that was a disgrace. 
That was a disgrace. I don't care if he was a United States senator. He had ties to that organization. He wanted to name every Yankee known to men, Clemens, Pettit, Jason Grimsley, Ortiz and Manny were right there. Oh, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. Spot on, Anthony and Syosset. Look, numbers-wise, let's not talk any performance-enhancing drugs. Big Poppy, to his credit, earned the right to be in the Hall of Fame from his numbers. But over the likes of Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, what are we doing? Let's make this simple. I'm going to make this super simple. Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player I've ever seen in my life. In fact, I was a kid. I want to say this was my freshman year of high school because it was a Saturday Fox game, and I remember it well. I went with a couple of buddies. I vividly remember at the old stadium. Saturday game, I wanted to see Bonds in person. Giants never played the Yankees. I really wanted to go. So I gathered up a couple of buddies. We go to the Yankee Stadium, you know, the whole deal. We're running a little late. I'm annoyed. I'm like, shit, we're going to miss Bonds first at bat. We hustle in. We, we made unbelievable time. Saturday, running through the Bronx. I'm running, you know, getting through the old stadium corridor, whatever the hell you want to call it. We get into the tunnel. And if you went to old Yankee Stadium, you understand the significance of what that tunnel means. Like the first time you saw the field. It still gives me the chills, still gives me goosebumps thinking about it. But one of those more holy shit type of moments was walking through the tunnel. Barry Bonds is up at the plate against Ted Lilly. And I was at the Stanton home run this year at, at Fenway, which was one of the furthest home runs and one of the most ridiculous home runs I've ever seen in my life. Nothing. And I mean nothing will top the ball Barry Bonds hit that I thought for sure was leaving Yankee Stadium. I never saw a hitter go halfway up the old upper deck against Ted Lilly. It was like, whoa, like you almost dropped your popcorn. It was one of those moments. The guy's the best to ever do it. He's not in the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz is. Common theme, common trend. They're both performance-enhancing drug cheats. Barry Bonds was better than David Ortiz. What are we doing? Roger Clemens is not in the Hall of Fame. What are we doing? And yeah, if I'm A-Rod, let me in. What's the damn difference at this point? It's a total chill. Anthony, it bothers me to no end, and I knew it was coming. And I don't want to blame all the writers, because we had Anthony McCarron on. He is a writer. He voted for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. He did his job. The men and women who did not, shame on you. You should not have a vote for the Hall of Fame. It's as simple as that. You don't deserve a vote for the Hall of Fame. Because I don't respect your opinion. I think you're clueless. I think you're beyond clueless. Take your ego and go stick it with a sun don't shine. Next. Hey, JJ. Nick and Rockwell Center here. I wanted to touch on something you referenced about recently. So I'm in college and two of my roommates are Packers fans. Past couple of years, they've been telling me how they have it worse as fans because they get their hopes up every year. As a 20-year-old Jets fan, I've seen my team play one fucking meaningful game in the last half of my life against Buffalo in 2015, and, and they blew it anyway, so I don't even know if it fucking counts, to be honest. They haven't sniffed the goddamn playoffs any other year. They always bitch and moan about how they make the playoffs every year only to disapp- uh, be disappointed and how I have it better watching non-competitive, stress-free football with no hopes at all. Is this not the most 
spoiled and ignorant statement football fans can make? They've seen a Super Bowl win, for Christ's sake, and they wish they were Jets fans. JJ, am I crazy? Hopefully not as crazy as the fucking numbskulls that I like to wear tees in the Hall of Fame but left out bonds. Hi, JJ. Appreciate it. No, you're not crazy. And I kind of went through something similar as a kid growing up with the Dolphins. Now, the big difference between the Miami Dolphins and the Green Bay Packers is that the Packers won a Super Bowl with Brett Favre. They won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, but then they had a lot of bad playoff losses along the way. I didn't get to experience the Super Bowl with the Dolphins. But, like, I think back to the bellyache I used to do as a kid, making the playoffs every year, winning 10, 11 games every year, getting to the second round, and now having that taken away from you, of course I miss it. Same could be said for the Knicks. Very similar. I'd always rather have a season than not have a season. Yeah, even if it means you're going to get your heart ripped out, you build up the hope and you build up the investment. Like, Buffalo losing that game the way that they did, it sucks, man. It sucks. It's going to eat at you all winter and all spring and all summer until the Bills play another game. It's going to bother you to no end. I, I get that. But you got a hell of a ride. I want the ride. Jet fans, Dolphin fans, we're in the same boat on this because we haven't seen much of anything over the last 10 years. See, the Giants are in the same boat, but they had two Super Bowl runs. That's something you as a Jet fan have not had. Me as a Dolphin, I have not had. So I, I want to go on the ride. Like, I want to be living in a world where on Championship Sunday, because I haven't even experienced this. Listen, the Dolphins, 29 years without a conference championship appearance. 29 years. I want to be living in a world where come Championship Sunday, my team is playing, and I'm the one that's, like, building up hope and anticipation and everything that's going through Kansas City and Cincinnati and San Francisco and Los Angeles right about now. I haven't had that in my life. It'd be nice to have it once. So, yeah, I'll always take the meaningful year over the irrelevant year. 100 out of 100. Despite the pain that might come with it. Who's next? What's up, JJ? Justin from Manhattan. I uh, just watched the Knicks lose another game to the Cavs that they could have won. Seems like the hustle is there at the end. Not a new storyline. You know, keep repeating the same old things every night. I just want to ask, how does a 40-year whatever veteran coach in Thibodeau um, decide to call a half-court shot that Julius Randle fade away as time expires off the timeout, off the inbounds play. This seems to happen every time the Knicks call timeout. They don't really ever score the ball. It's usually a turnover. Uh, the R.J. Barrett buzzer beater, I don't give kids any credit. That was a horrible play call that R.J. just drilled. I mean, I, it looks like this guy can't fucking coach. Like, what, the, what is he doing? Um, Peace out. He could coach. Last year shows you he can coach. I don't love the inbounds plays at the end of these games. It's funny. I was texting back and forth with our guy, Jerry Ferrara, who lives in Ohio now. So he and his wife were at the Nick game. So he's like sitting in the front row. I see him on Instagram. So I'm texting back and forth with him throughout the game. And he had the exact same complaint that you did. Look, it's an awful inbounds pass. I don't know what the look is. I don't know what the shot is. The possession prior, though, is where the Knicks lost this game. Barrett could not have had a better look from three. He was wide open. I thought it was going down. Bricked it. Bricked it. The Knicks missed a ton of free throws early in the game, specifically Barrett. Had a good night, 
still is missing way too many free throws, they're killers. I'll tell you what's the positive sign though for the Knicks after watching Monday night's game. Quentin Grimes was all over Garland. I mean, he was all over Garland. Like, you have to find a way to get him in the rotation if he tips. You have to find a way. He's young. He could shoot it. He could play D. Like, if you're asking me, and I tweeted this, I'd rather watch Quentin Grimes play than Evan Fournier. It's not even, it's not even close. It's not, it's not even close. Because at least Grimes is giving you a little nitty-gritty. At least he is giving you something other than the three-point shot. Fournier, that's all he can do. So, yeah, I'll have a couple of nights where it goes off like he did against the Celtics. Whoop the freaking dough. He's not a winning player. He's just not. He's not a winning player. He's a tough watch. He's a very tough watch. That's a guy I want to see more of as the Knicks move forward. That was a game. They were down big against the Cavaliers. They couldn't guard Kevin Love. And how about Kevin Love? Supermodel wife, girlfriend. Tangling with my guy, I Aiden, down in Florida. So he's getting hooked up. He's getting the carbone treatment. He's getting the... Uh, the Vino treatment. So maybe he has the Vino diet going. Because he looks good and he's playing great. Good for him. Killed the Knicks. Flashback. It was like shades of Minnesota, Kevin Love. But the Knicks showed me something getting back in that game. That was good effort. Missed the opportunity to seal the deal. But more Quentin Grimes, less Evan Fournier for starters. That was my takeaway from watching the Knicks on Monday night. All right. Last one before we hit some trivia. What do we got here? Hey, JJ, it's David from Brooklyn, a.k.a. The Commish. I don't know if it's too early to start talking about the New York Rangers, but this team is really exciting. They've got a great young nucleus of talent. you got this defenseman, Adam Fox. He looks like the guy looks like he's the second coming of Brian Leach. Really exciting player. Kreider is a leading goal scorer in the NHL. You have Shesterkin. He's near the top or at the top of the league in the, goal, in the goaltending staff. And you really have to give this organization credit. They felt it was time for a shakeup. They fired the GM and the president. The fan favorite, John Davidson, it wasn't a popular move at the time. They changed the coach, and all of a sudden, everything starts coming together. And it's really exciting. It's a really great time to be a Rangers fan right now. The best part is they're not even playing their best hockey right now. They're constantly they come out lethargic. They're playing catch-up. But they're playing well, and the Gallant is also missing some players. He's moving the lines around, but every move seems to be working. And sometimes it just comes together for a team. It really looks like they're having a lot of fun out there. It's young. It's exciting. Like I said, it's a great time to be a Ranger fan. Let's go Rangers and Pots and Suck. Later, JJ. Kamish, excellent, excellent call. We're going to do a hockey spot next week because the Rangers have caught my eye. How could they not? I mean, they got 60 points. They're 28-11 on the year. The only teams that headed them in the Eastern Conference are the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And those are two perennial powers in the Eastern Conference. The Rangers are a legit team. And Adam Fox is a stud. And last year, I mentioned this, we did our top 15 New York athletes list, which is going to have a lot of changes. I, I can guarantee you that. It's going to have a lot of changes from what we had a season ago. Um, a lot of Ranger fans were upset with me. For not putting Adam Fox on that list. Well, I, I, I'll save you the trouble. He will be on the list this year. That goal at the end of the shootout against Los Angeles, sexy. Super, super sexy. And maybe they're a year ahead of schedule. But you're right. They fired the GM. They bring in a new head coach. A lot of people gave the Rangers a hard time when they fired the GM. Because they thought that the rebuild was going the way it needed to go. They had a little toughness to their team. And they have just taken off this year. I mean, Crider's having a phenomenal year. 
phenomenal, phenomenal year. And I wanted the Rangers to bring him back a couple of years ago. I thought that was very important. I thought he was a guy who got after it and scored goals. I always was a fan of his. They're a fun watch. And I have a feeling they're going to be working their way into their conversation a lot more on this show in the weeks and the months ahead. I'm not going to pretend to be Mr. Hockey. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be Mr. Hockey. Uh, that's why I have my hockey people on. And I get into it as this time of the year kind of comes around. I admit that. They're going to be a big topic of discussion. And I can see that coming from a mile away. Listen, I always say this to the hockey people. You're not going to get what you want in October, November, and December on the show. You're just not. No offense, you're not. But as the year goes on, I'm well aware. Playoff hockey. It's big around here. It's big, it's big everywhere. It's phenomenal. It's great drama. Great intrigue. And when you got a team like the Rangers cooking and Madison Square Garden is cooking, yeah, there's going to be some buzz. And if there's buzz in town, that's how we gauge it. I like to think I'm pretty good at that. I know what's big around here and what's not. I learned from the best. What do you want me to tell you? All right. Before we say goodbye, we got trivia and Jeff Money. Now, my trivia performance last week was a good step in the right direction. Still not where I want it to be. Not peak 2021, November, December, JJ. But we're going to get there. We're going to see if that progression is going to continue today. So let's hear it. I have a feeling Larry in Florida is ready to go. JJ, Larry in Florida. Here we go with the trivia. Patrick Mahomes has 25 TD passes in his first 10 playoff starts. Four other quarterbacks have at least 22 touchdown passes in their first 10 playoff starts. Who are they? The second one is, this is the first, when was the last year that neither Brady nor Rodgers will be in the conference championship game? And tell me in that year, what were the conference championships Conference game championship matchups. Got that? This is the first year neither Brady nor Rodgers is in the championship game. When was the last year neither one made the championship game? And what four teams played that day? I'm out. Okay, Larry, I'm going to start with question two. The last year we did not have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers on Championship Sunday. Well, Rodgers played in Championship Sunday in 2010. Remember, he took on Jake Cutler, who got hurt, took on the Chicago Bears. No Brady, no Rodgers Championship Sunday. I believe the answer to that question, and I'm very confident in saying this, is 2009, where you had Peyton Manning, taking on Mark Sanchez, and then you had Brett Favre taking on Drew Brees. One down, one to go. And Larry gave me a layup there. I mean, it required a little bit of thought. You had to go through a couple of years. The, the amazing thing is Brady or Rodgers basically been there every year. That's the thing. So, you know, you start, like, throwing out the non-Brady years and, you're like, oh, yeah, 2010 Aaron Rodgers played in his first conference championship game, and you kind of take it as such. Okay, so the other question. Now, Stefan, how many quarterbacks do I need here? You need four, Jay. 
four. And I believe the question was what? 20 plus touchdown passes and 10 playoff starts? Is that what it was? That's correct, JJ. All right, 20 touchdown passes in 10 playoff starts. And we know Mahomes was able to do so. You got to think about guys that threw a lot of touchdown passes in their careers. That's the thing. So, like, a lot of people are going to be wondering if Tom Brady is on this list. Tom Brady, I don't know if he got to that many touchdown passes considering the first couple of playoff games he played in, they didn't do much. They won with a whole lot of defense. So my first guess for this particular answer, Stefan, is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Because I was confident in that. Rodgers was throwing it like crazy. If you go back to that Arizona playoff game, and his first year when he goes through Philly and then Atlanta and then Chicago, he's thrown it left and right. So I was fairly confident that Aaron Rodgers was going to be on that particular list. Two more quarterbacks. 20-plus touchdowns in 10 starts. Hmm. Number two. I'm not supremely confident in this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Eli Manning. Nah, <laughs> got a little too cute there. Got a little too cute. And I should have known because Eli, first couple of playoff starts, didn't throw a ton. They ended up winning those games with defense. All right, I took a shot there with Eli. I took a shot there with Eli. Okay. 20-plus touchdown passes in 10 playoff starts. Hmm. I need two more quarterbacks. Troy Aikman. No, I don't like hearing the buzzer. Don't like hearing the buzzer. I'm going to take one more guess, and then we're going to start dwindling it down via hints. I'm throwing his name in there, Stefan, even though I'm not confident this is a correct answer. Peyton Manning. No. Yeah, I, I, you know, Manning had too many duds early in his career. He had a bunch of big games, though, so I thought maybe that would inflate the total. Okay. The two answers, Stefan, we are looking for. Are they quarterbacks that have played within the last 30 years? It's three you're looking for. Well, I got one. So yeah. I need three more is what you're telling me. Three more, Jay. Uh, three more, okay. I will say two of them have played in the last 20 years. One is a little bit before that. Okay. I'm going to go a little before then. Joe Montana. Mm. Wow. See, the old school quarterback is not going to put up the numbers. That's the thing. They're not going to put up the playoff numbers. Not throwing a ton. I'm taking one more old school guess, and then I'm going to get the guys over the last 20 years. Dan Marino. Because Dan did nothing but sling it for the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, I tried to think about Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, as painful as it is for me to say that Dan Marino is not on that list. So, you know, you're thinking about games where Dan might have threw three or four interceptions because he had to. He put up numbers, though. Because, listen, Miami at that point, they didn't have a running game. They didn't have a defense. They're like, all right, go get it. Go get it. All right, so Rodgers, Marino. We got to get two more. 
And I'm going to assume they are more of the recent variety. That is going to be my guess. That is going to be my guess. Yes. Before you start, I'll okay. give you a little. I'll give you a little breeze here. So you got two that got twenty-two. You got the two guys that had twenty-two. These other guys had twenty-three. Twenty-three. Okay. Hmm. Ahead of Rogers. Ahead of Marino. How about Drew Brees? There we go. See, Brees had some monster games in like the divisional round and torched a couple of teams. So that could that could play a role. All right. So now we need one more, Stefan. And I have it narrowed down between one of two players. One of two players. And I think the the answer that I'm going to give is going to be shocking. It's not Joe Flacco, is it? No, it's not. See, Flacco played in a bunch of playoff games, didn't do much, and then went on that insane run in the 2013 season. So got a little too cute there with Flacco. Okay. All right, I'm throwing him out there, even though I don't think it's the correct answer. I kind of feel obligated to do so. Is it Brady? See, my intuition and my gut feel was correct. All right, so we got Flacco out of there. We got Brady out of there. I'm taking two more guesses at this thing. Is it Kurt Warner? There we go. I did not need to get an answer from Stefan. I'm very, very proud of that effort. That was a grinded out second question. But Kurt Warner, yeah, had some monster, monster years with the then St. Louis Rams and then the rest of his playoff career with the Arizona Cardinals, where that 2008 run, they played in three games, they were red hot, and I bet them every game throughout that postseason, they were good to me. That Arizona team in 2008 was very, very good to me. All right, before we say goodbye, and great job with the trivia. Larry, on the ball, on the money, as usual. Jeff Money is with us. He hit on his thousand pick. He's been red hot in college basketball, so... If he's been fading Syracuse, that's been profitable. I would continue that trend, Jeff Money. But what do you have in store for Wednesday? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap of picks. It's going to be for tomorrow, Wednesday, the 26th. I got a college basketball game for you. Now, I won 10 of my last 12. Now, I don't know, of course, during the taping of this, I had two games going on Tuesday night. So we'll see what happened with that. But as of right now, as far as I know, I'm 10 of the last 12 in college basketball. My play for, for Wednesday is going to be George Mason. I'm showing an opening line of Pickham over St. Bonaventure. So that's my play for Wednesday, the 26th. It's going to be George Mason, Pickham, and college basketball. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money really digging deep, going against the Bonnies. Uh, and listen, come conference tournament week, you're going to want to have a feel for some of these teams. So if he's diving into George Mason and St. Bonaventure, more power to him. I- I'll give you two that I like in college basketball tomorrow. I see Seton Hall favored by four against Marquette. I would be all over that. I think Seton Hall will bounce back after what you saw Monday against the Johnnies. Must have for the Johnnies. Big win for them uh, against the Hall. Finally got a good win. Um, another one that I would keep an eye on. How is Virginia Tech a five-point favorite against Miami? That line makes absolutely no sense. And because it makes absolutely no sense, I would probably take the Hokies because Virginia Tech's favored by five. Miami's had a much better year. Public's probably going to be on Miami. I think 
Vegas kind of knows what they're doing. So Vatek will be a play for me. I'll go Vatek and I'll go Seton Hall. And if you're thinking about the Farmers and you're going to get into the golf, Tony Finau is who I have my eye on. I thought about playing Phil in the golf pool that I'm in. Can't do it. Don't know if he's going to hold up over four days. Tony Finau to go win the, the Farmers. And I'm going to be doing that now, I think, every week because I'm in this golf pool. Beningo's in this golf pool. The great Tommy Keenan is in this golf pool. So like, I feel like you guys should know who I'm invested in every week. So when my guy doesn't make the cut, you guys can all have fun at my expense. Like I gave out Wolf as my first pick. Last week was my first week in a pool. Didn't even make the cut. Sucked. So I'm really off to a rare and rare start. What can I tell you? Fun show. Spirited show. This is therapeutic in many ways. Stefan, fabulous, fabulous work. We are back. Thursday, where we will have you covered with Conference Championship Sunday every which way. We didn't do a ton on the games today. We're saving it for Thursday. I can tell you this. I know who I'm picking in one of the two games. The other game I am very much on the fence with. I will decide with Beningo for old school, new school. And fun fact, undefeated in the NFC postseason, winless in the AFC postseason. Hate that for what it is worth. JJ out. We are back. Thursday evening. Be good, everybody.